0: Welcome to the Road to Growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the Road to Growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor. Hi, v. you Road to Growth listeners. Today I have Grant Moon. You know what? I've been having the most recent ones, a lot of real estate related podcasts on here. Another one right here, I have Grant Moon. He was a, a lender for 15 years saw there's probably a better way I guess a simple way of putting it and then built this company uh called C, uh home captain thanks Grant for being here
1: thanks yeah and just just a quick correction I actually was never a lender oh you weren't I thought you were no, years but I minutes. played you know played one on TV I guess okay so- okay because uh, you know, my company serves lenders so much, I could see it, you know, a lot of times people think, Hey, you've been in you've been a lender for a while. I'm like, I've never been a lender, actually. Oh, wow. Okay, all right.
0: So yeah, I, I misread that. I was <clears throat> so to give people behind the stage, behind the great and powerful Oz kind of thing, right? I, I get a quick synopsis of the person. We kind of see if it jives well, usually with their PR or their person, look at it, do a little Google search. And for some reason, something that I that I read, it looked like Maybe how it was worded, right? Or maybe yeah. sometimes I'm just I was like ignorant and I just it could be it. I,
1: I wrote <laughs> I wrote a book called The Ultimate Guide to VA loans and it's still out there. So like if you Googled me, like that's the first one. Like, oh, this guy must actually know about lending. He wrote this book on it. But the reality is I've never actually done a loan ever in my life.
0: Wow. Okay. So that's really intriguing. So how do you have such a knowledge base for for loans yet have never been in that field? What were you doing? That Was it behind the scenes? What were you doing? Well, I
1: I came back from Iraq. I was an army officer. Uh, and I came back from Iraq in 2008. And, um, you know, quite frankly, I, you know, I, I heard from like other troops I was serving with that, hey, when you go back home, there's a great benefit called a VA loan. So I actually thought I was going to come home and I thought the government was going to give me a bag of money to go buy a house. Um, and I found out quickly that wasn't the case. And then I was going through the process. I was finding my own agent. I was finding my own lenders. And, you know, I, I was trying to really understand rate, APR, you know, escrows and, and not knowing anything, being a blank slate, trying to understand like the VA loan, first entitlement, second entitlement, really confusing stuff when you take it all in at once. And especially, you know, uh, someone in their 20s. Um, and so I basically, you know, how I got knowledgeable about it is I was like, there has to be a better way. And um, I ended up going to grad school uh for information technology, and one of the one of the, the capstones was like, hey, create something that's very passionate for you, um, that's near and dear to you, that has some sort of commercial applicability because it was information technology, and I picked a specific path called high growth tech ventures. And so our capstone was a lot more oriented towards um, growth ventures using technology. And I just created a loan aggregation platform of rates and fees, kind of like a a lending tree, if you will, but for veterans. Because I was like, you know, it'd be nice if veterans came home, you know, from war and they could actually sort and see which lenders are going to give them the best deal and have something that showed them the difference between rate and APR and things like that. And so that's where I created... My first, I call it, I mean, it was a project, but it was really a company. And we got licensing agreements with the department of defense. So I had government contracts too. So that was my first company. Um, And I guess that's how I really learned a lot about mortgages and banking.
0: So you got contracts to to do necessarily what, what was written on the contracts?
1: i was uh i had like a i had contract with um department of defense news media agency stars and stripes where we had our platform where mm-hmm. veterans can go on star, um stars and stripes and active duty and compare rates and fees of lenders through the platform that i built um and select the lender that was going to give them the best deal so I did that and then we had i had a contract with um, uh a prime contractor for the United States government for Department of Defense housing um so we had a we had a subcontract as well using our technology to give to veterans and service members um
0: what I mean now what was the process like you, for you to figure out how to get government funds I mean I talked about this actually in a, um, a previous podcast and in my background actually before I got into real estate we did a lot of uh, construction for the government and actually yeah. the process, small business, heyday, yeah. business things like that. Right. I mean, there's so much money to be made that the government's trying to give out to help out these people. It's just a lot yeah. of really hard to pay for it sometimes to actually apply and go through it. So how did you understand that? How did you come, come about it?
1: Um, You know, I think uh, from my perspective, a lot of it was like ignorance. Um, You know, I was pretty young. I didn't know what I didn't know. So I was willing to, you know, throw a lot of stuff against the wall. And, you know, I read a lot on it and, um, you know, probably had a bit of a learning curve associated with it. Um, And I guess at the end of the day, I think, you know, where I was um, probably more successful is where, you know, I went for like the smaller stuff that, you know, I understand, I understood the specific thresholds like on where full RFPs have to go out versus like, if you're under a certain amount and I haven't done a government contract in a really long time over 10 years, but you know, there used to be like these thresholds where you could um, you know, if it's under a specific threshold, there doesn't have to be a, the department, you know, whatever department of interior, whatever, you don't have to do a full bore RFP red tape process, but you know, you have to have past capabilities, you, you have to have, you know, like anything else in life and business, getting the first one is always the hardest, right? And so you, got, you have to have staying power, you have to be patient, um, and you have to continue to just pull through and network and figure out what you need to do.
0: Did you have a, a mentor at that time or is it simply Googling online, trying to find stuff or...
1: Yeah, if I were to do it again, I would have got a mentor, but I I think, again, I was too young and stupid at the time that I was like, I, you know, I know what I'm doing. I could figure it out at Google. There's enough information out there. I could read books. I could, you know, um, but, you know, I guess in any journey, you kind of learn as you go too, right? And as you get older too, um, you know, you kind of learn that you don't know everything. Right. And you need a team and you need people around you. You need a think tank. You need to. And that's that's been, um, you know, that's been a great learning for me, especially throughout my career and growth and everything like that, because, you know, if, if if anyone were to see me in my 30s or anything like that, you know, you have a little bit more like bravado and a little bit more like, you know, everything and, you know, and um so so to get to answer your question if i were to do it again i would have like assembled probably a set of mentors instead of me banging my head against the wall and using brute brute force to figure some things out as i went
0: yeah so let's rewind a little bit and i'm guessing a young grant was very strong-minded yep
1: probably even a grant today too to some degree
0: okay
1: but um but there's always varying degrees of it right
0: did, did you have a entrepreneur mindset then when you were like in your teens
1: um to some degree i mean my teens were a little bit of a unique scenario i was born and raised in hawaii um and uh moved to uh burlington massachusetts mm-hmm. uh for for middle school and high school so that was like a huge cultural shift but at the time, too, um, Hawaii was like 50 out of 50 states from an educational school system perspective. And when I moved to Massachusetts, specifically in that area, they were like one out of one out of. So it was like going from like a huge. But um, you know, I'll never forget too. They they told me that um, they told me that uh, I was two grade levels behind, and I could just never catch up in high school. Uh, So I ended up, you know, just kind of finishing high school pretty, you know, pretty young and then joining the military at 18 years old as as an enlisted guy. And I think that was my first soiree into like kind of, you know, having the discipline in order to to do things that you want to do. Um, But, uh, you know, I would say I was probably a late bloomer on the entrepreneurial side. Um, Got into real estate investing at you know, 28 years old. So I was, I was pretty much a, a later, a later guy. Yeah.
0: What, what drew you to join the military? Do you remember?
1: Yeah. I, uh, I had a single mom that was raising three kids. She had no money. I had no money. And I had a D minus that I graduated from in high school. So it's like almost <laughs> like, I had no choice or I could just stick around and be, you know, or whatever. Come on. I, I, I had other options, but That seemed like the best option for me that would give me the ability to go to college and everything else. And, you know, I've I've been able to get three different degrees from that, too. So I have I have a great deal of um, gratitude
0: uh, for the United States military. Do you you think I mean, it sounds like that when you were in schooling, right, you were behind the eight ball like two years back. Right. But then. When did you get in the military, did you feel like it was a, a restart now? You're at the same playing field as everyone else, or was there a yeah. time where you felt that way? Or yeah, I think so. I mean, I think anything else, I mean, some
1: of it had to do with like giving me the confidence, right? Because if you're sitting there as like a teenager in high school and you're like, Well, shoot, I don't even know how to write a complete paragraph or anything like that, or you know, or you have like the school you know, school psychologist telling you that you're dyslexic, right? Like, have you ever heard of dyslexia before grant? Like, no, you know, and you're like an awkward, like chubby kid that just moved to Massachusetts from Hawaii. You're like, man, I'm an idiot. I don't, I'm not doing that good. Um, but as you get out, you go in the military, you start getting some confidence that confidence builds upon itself, you know, and you're able to go to school and then you do a bachelor's degree. And in my case, I was able to do an MBA. And then after that, I was able to put myself through an Ivy League to get my second master's. So, and all of that made possible too with also the, the funding capabilities of the military and the GI Bill and everything else too. But um, it's, it's just gave, it gave those appropriate levels of conditions for me.
0: Did you actually have dyslexia or is it just because you're so far behind the eight ball?
1: That's what they said. I mean, they ran me through a bunch of tests and everything else, but I've never, uh, I've never, I never like labels. I never go around and be like, Hey, I'm dyslexic or anything like that. Um, I do know that, um, you know, they, because they did allow me to like have my tests read to me by a special tutor and everything like that in high school i know that when i did my gmat they allowed me to do it untimed right so i had no time but i don't like labels because once you put labels like a crutch on yourself that has cascading impacts that i don't think a lot of people realize right because when you speak things you speak it into existence and one of the funniest things i heard when you actually like you know the opening of and i love the opening of your thing it was the muhammad ali saying i'm going to tell you how great i am mm. i mean a lot of people say that the reason why he was so great because he literally went around all day and you know all he talk about is how great he was but he, he was the greatest so when you do that or if you're a veteran and you you put all these labels and on your you know it's not good um and it's just my philosophy it might not be the right philosophy um i don't like those type of crutch labels you know oh.
0: So the, you have there's negativity, I guess, associated with it at a young age. Then you're in the military getting confidence, bravado, positivity. Then you go back to school. How was going back to school after after the military compared to pre-military? Because now you have confidence and you're doing stuff. But there's probably some lingering thoughts, I would assume, from high school. Yeah. Problem?
1: But as you continue to get through and you continue to check the box and you continue to go through the process and things like that, then you get your bachelor's degree and you're like, wow, if I can get a bachelor's degree, maybe I can get an MBA. Mm. Right. And then if you get an MBA, then it's like, wow, maybe I can actually, you know, get a different type of master's degree, but maybe I could do it at an Ivy League, mm. you know, or maybe I could do it in one of the most prestigious schools in the world. Um I think it's kind of like those type of conditions that allow for you to continue to strive and push yourself and strive to greatest heights, right? What,
0: what do you think drove you to go up the ranks in your education?
1: Probably a little bit of my childhood, probably. If I were to unpack that, it was probably like, man, you know, I, I don't think I did so good back there. But also, you don't like those feelings. And if you unpack any type of, you know, mo of anyone and what drives them throughout life, a lot of it has to do with when they're when they're a kid, right? And um, that's probably it. Maybe it's something that I had something to prove to myself. That I, maybe I just needed
0: time. Now you're you do the schooling. You start this company when did the idea of uh home captain kind of come about it came about after I did the project where we where I
1: we I had a government contract right and I call it a project because we were making I mean we're making money but it was like three guys in a garage style um so we're doing just a lot more like you know project management work program management you know, collecting bills from lenders to pay for, you know, us having them as a publisher um, or I'm sorry for them being able to sit on our platform whereby we were acting as a publisher. Um, and uh, you know, one of the things I always found was that um, a lot of the lenders, they didn't want to buy what was considered uh, purchase money leads. So like, you know, this is circa like 2011, right? A lot of refis coming through. And um, I wanted to understand why. Um, so I talked to some of the lenders that I knew and they're like, well, purchase is hard. They don't convert. You have to incubate them a long time. You know, the agent next door always has a guy, quote unquote. You guys all have guys, right? You got guys. <laughs> Um, so they flip, you know, they bring it to someone else and everything else. And I was like, man. Um, but I just thought it was interesting because there was more and more that I saw from a like there was going to be more and more of a confluence between lending and real estate, which is right now, like it's almost like you can't even separate it, right? Um, to some degree. And so, you know, more and more the thesis was proving out that, hey. You know look at redfin redfin now started a mortgage company look at zillow zillow started a mortgage company look at all these other ones because the real estate companies you know they're the ones with the eye candy that customers want to do it's not the banks it's not mortgage companies right like you might be does anyone want to play with their rate and term widget you know like three percent four percent like that's not very engaging right people want to search for homes they want to favorite homes they want to get alerts on on listings they want to understand what their home's worth right and that's where all the eyeballs and traffic goes and so i knew that you know banks in particular um are not allowed to operate in the real estate space um right because real estate is considered a commercial activity but you'll see like some of the non-banks out there starting their own mortgage companies because they're not a depository or um, non-banks starting a real estate company. because they're non-depository banks. Um, so basically the premise and the thesis with home captain was really, well, you know, we can give the entirety of a stack people process and technology that allows for banks to effectively compete and win. And then at that point, you know, we were able to, go from two lenders to you know today i think we're probably over the 50 lender mark we work with some of the largest banks in the world too um and you know it's it's been a it's been an interesting
0: ride for sure well going back to your idea of you know zillow redfin i mean zillow's buying properties Zillow's selling properties They have their own platforms. They have their own extra company. I mean, Keller Williams, they have their, they're going to be built. Well, they have a lending company, but they still facilitate with other ones. But I mean, it's building that moat around your business as much as possible. So like like you're you're insinuating, is that person that you grab never wants to leave basically your area.
1: Keep it in your ecosystem, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But meanwhile, a lot of the other ones don't want to keep it in the, you know, I mean, Quicken Loans, right? One of the largest lenders out there. They don't want Wells. They don't want to keep Wells Fargo's customers in their ecosystem. They want to take it out of their ecosystem. Um, of course they do, right? Because they're competitors. But what Rocket is allowed to do is have Rocket Home, which is like a home captain, right? And the reason why that they're allowed to do that is because they're non-depository bank. They're a mortgage company, whereas Wells Fargo will never be able to own like a rocket home.
0: What do you think was one of the more difficult things in building out this business for you? Well,
1: probably the stages of growth. Right. So I've seen it now at this point, full end to end, meaning, you know, like taking it from an idea to growing it multiple phases to include venture capital rounds, tranches, money, everything. Um, You know, and every single stage had its own challenges Um, and to actually live through that and see each one of those challenges and actually have to make hard decisions along the way too. Because what a lot of people don't talk about is that when you're going through those stages of growth, how are you going to address team members that were with you in the beginning that now that at this point the company has outgrown the capabilities of that team member? Mm. Like this is, that's some grimy stuff to address, right? Especially if you're a loyal guy, especially if you have like, you know, strong loyalty, strong, um, how do you address those things? Right. And how do you actually put people in the right seats as you get through those stages and also make sure that you don't bruise their ego either. Right? Like, how do you do those types of things? That that's where it was really difficult. Um, and be able to live that full spectrum. It's almost like, you know, if I were to use a, uh, um, if I were to use like a military analogy, sometimes it could be like, well, shoot, you know, it's like going through like a full tour in Vietnam, like when you see the movie Platoon, and he gets on the end, and he's like, "Okay, now I'm gonna break down and cry because now I'm in a helicopter going back." And man,
0: you know that was that was a journey. Um, yeah. What, what was your process like in those situations? You're you're a loyal guy. That a person is not in the right fit anymore. You grew bigger. I mean, what's that mindset? What's that conversation like? I mean, how did you kind of go through it? I just went through it along the way. And I guarantee
1: you, I probably could have done way better jobs too. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, we have a significant number of our first and early employees still working at the business, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, sometimes it went sideways. Um, and maybe it went sideways because of me. Right. Maybe I didn't have the emotional intelligence or experience to deal with it in a way that actually could have been good. Right. Um, but maybe not. But whatever it is, like there, I'm not going to cry over spilt milk. Um, but, you know, it's just one of the fundamental things that is always needed to be addressed is that every single stage. Right. Has a different has a different devil. Right. Every level has a different devil. It comes with its own set of challenges, comes with its own set of opportunities, right? And to be able to manage through that effectively through those stages, right? Especially if you're growth oriented, right? If you have growth capital, if you're venture backed, things like that, um, you know, you're supposed to be able to go pretty fast. And that's a a fast evolution too. You're cycling very quickly, whereas something could have worked, you know, three months ago. Well, it's a different company. Right, especially if you're going at a three X growth rate, which Home Captain has done a few times, right? If you're doing three X, you're that company's changing so fast. Right.
0: I am gonna I'm gonna go back to back to the the, the topic you brought up because I've never, I mean, I've done 150 episodes, 150 episodes I've actually never had anyone talk about that topic of the loyalty aspect of it growing and then have to look at the people that were there at the the, the, the beginning of everything and then having it's that some conversation.
1: grimy stuff. Yeah. No one really wants to talk about that stuff, but anyone who's gone through growth cycles and got yeah. to the end, they
0: definitely yeah. have been through it. What is, so let's say if someone's listening right now and they're in that growth right now and they're the first one, they got someone really, people loyal to them and they have to actually get their mind right, get the conversation right. I mean, what advice would you give that person right now? Identify if you know that
1: person really well, identify the perfect job for them, but also be more loyal to the company and those around. Be more loyal to the company because if that person's in a position that, um, you know, could inadvertently do damage, just be, not because of, not because, you know, of anything intentional, but if you don't have someone in the right seat, you know, that's causing damage, whether it's known or unknown. Um, And if you could put that person into a place that, you know, they would likely excel and, you know, you could set it up so that you don't have to um, do it in a way that their ego gets touched, uh, especially if they're a male, right? Uh, With my female employees, I have, I've, not had as much of that um i don't know if that's kosher to say i'm just giving my experience
0: transparency um, is key i think for for any kind of conversation i mean yeah, yeah. so
1: I, I think it's better to be done and sometimes it's really really painful and sometimes and as you can imagine sometimes it goes sideways but when it doesn't go sideways it's really really good because somebody's now in the right seat based off of their skill set um and you know, then at that point, you have a great, productive, loyal, you know, team member that you're loyal to, they're loyal to you, which creates the conditions for you to get people in the right seats for other things.
0: Now, you talked about the idea that you, from the beginning till close to the end, not necessarily to the end yet, you've recently sold your company. Yeah. When... When did the idea of selling it come about? Did you have the idea? Did someone proposition you off selling it? Where did that come from?
1: Yeah. So we were, um, the end of, let's see, the end of last year we were getting ready to do another capital raise. So it was like one of those things where we were going to do another venture raise and, um, You know, you could do another venture raise or you, every time you're going to do like an actual series, right? So we were looking to, we were going to probably do a series B, right? We've done a, we did a seed, we did a series A, we've done a series A1 extension, and we've done a, a B or we're getting ready to do a B, right? And so every time you do that, you actually go through like more dilution and everything like that, but that's okay, right? Because... It's better to have like a slice of a watermelon than an entire grape. But every time you do that, it's like a perfect opportunity to just kind of take a step back, look at the, you know, the landscape and the horizon and figure out too, if there's a way that, you know, you, you can evaluate a few different things. And so, you know, we had that, we had that evaluation. We looked at some things and, you know, ultimately our, our board of directors voted to go forward with you know the exit um and so we did that and that was that closed may 25th of this year so still still early innings as it relates to the new days yeah
0: and you're still working with the company correct yes yes i'm
1: still there i'm an employee I haven't been an employee for a long time. So that's a, that's a new, that's a new thing for me. Consistent paycheck is kind of nice too. Um, Don't think I've had that for a long time. So uh, to be an employee is actually uh, is, is new for me and yeah. And I'm
0: with the company, so. Let's say we're talking five years from now. Yeah. You have an idea. I mean, this entrepreneur grant that's been building companies, building businesses, now an employee in five years from now, is there going to be another venture that's going to pop in your head?
1: Oh, a hundred (laughs) percent.
0: (laughs) Okay. Do you have an idea of what that might be yet? Or is it too? I
1: I have a pretty good idea. Yeah.
0: Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, uh, let's, let's jump back to that, that person that was, um, little behind the teenager, any advice, one that pre-military, any advice you'd give that person? Maybe someone listening right now that feels like they're in that rut. They're, they're behind. I mean, any advice you give?
1: Work as hard as you possibly can and stay focused. Do not do a woe is me thing because at the end of the day, if you work really, really, really hard, you could overcome probably anything, right? So even if people around you are like really intelligent or anything like that, hard work and dedication will 100% beat out any smart people uh, or anyone for that matter. If you work your butt off towards what you want to get, you'll probably get it.
0: If you're honest
1: with yourself about it, like if you're working where when other people are partying if you're young and you're working if you're waking up early if you're doing if you're doing the right things the right things will happen if you just will kind of want something or it's like no I want to go you know party with my friends or I want to you know still eat at restaurants while I'm trying to save some money to do investing and I don't have any money to invest or something like that that's That's most people.
0: Um, How do you, how do you balance, I mean, working on working the job compared to working on yourself or working in the business and not on the business? How do you balance it out?
1: Oh my God. That's a really, really tough one too. Yeah. You know that, right? Working in the business and on the business are two entirely different things. And man, that working in the business can be all-consuming. Yeah. you can't even crawl out of that damn thing to look down and be like, "I need to work on the business." Like, <laughs> oh, I'm stuck. I can't even get out of the business.
0: Yeah, I think um, it's a, it's a. I mean, if anyone listening right now, I mean, work hard, work hard, but also plan for the future. I think, right? I mean, I think that's yeah. probably where you it pushes you to go to school. I mean, and do the schooling. I mean, finding ways to better your business. I mean, you start looking in the future and going, okay, I can work hard today, but i right. still going to be doing the same level of output to get the same results right. in the future.
1: That's hundred percent right. And investing in yourself from an education perspective, right? Like, you know, next month I'm going to Tony Robbins for the first time. I cannot wait. Right. And, you know, at the end of the day, most people that, you know, learn things and get by and everything like that is they sit back and they actually say, you know what? I know nothing so because of that i need to continuously learn i need to talk to people right i need to not be a know-it-all maybe i know some things about what i've done in the past but that doesn't mean it's the future
0: you can be taught by a lot of people around you too yeah well thank you grant for being here someone's listening right now and they want to hear more about i mean uh your platform home captain or one of your future ventures anything like that what's the best way of them following you or reaching out um I'm,
1: i mean i'm on linkedin i'm how anyone can you know i'll accept anyone from linkedin and everything else and kind of follow but um yeah i hope this was helpful this was this was great i mean what a great what a great platform that you built so thanks so much for having me
0: too well, yeah, I appreciate you being on to, on the road to growth. Hopefully everyone listening got some some great nuggets. It doesn't matter where you are. Put the effort in and you can be anywhere. You could be building your company and selling it off in a couple of years. You just don't know. Just put the effort in. So thank That's you, guys. Hard, thank you again. Greg.